Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Paul to my Brian. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, having really awkward interactions with uh, with my date's dad. That's how I'm doing it. And our very own Vicky. That's right. It's Eric Ronenbeck. Eric, which did you know the actor, actress that played Vicky was Erica? Did you know that? Ooh, I didn't. But uh, hey, man, revenge on sexual predators from beyond the grave. That's me. Yeah. All right, well, we'll get to the blurb later. So uh, let's start off with the big trade. The Seahawks trade a second round pick and a fifth round pick to the New York football giants for Leonard, for defensive tackle Leonard Williams. Before we talk about the compensation first, we got to talk about the player. So Eric, start us off. What did you, what do you think about Leonard Williams as a, as an NFL player? Just like as a, as a player, we faced the giants earlier this year. We kind of know this player a little bit. Pete Carroll did say this was the best defensive interior defensive pairing the Seahawks would face all season with Williams and, uh, Sorry, Dexter, Dexter Lawrence. Lawrence, the second, <laughs> who leads the league in he leads the league in pressures as a nose tackle. I've thought about this so much this week because I like was looking at the Giants players after we did this, and I was like, wow, that is absurd. Anyway, I don't know if you know this or not, but Dexter Lawrence is really big. Yeah, but that is like crazy. <laughs> 40, 44 pressures already from from nose. That's just insane. All right, Leonard Williams, what does he bring to the table, Eric? Uh, okay, so we got interior defensive linemen. This is one thing that obviously we've been talking about for a long time on this podcast. As right, we added, we added one in Draymond, right? And yes, then... but it's uh, definitely something that we, you know, we talked about at draft time. Like, I make the joke about how I want a washing machine. I want us to draft a washing machine. <laughs> and we talk about, like, well, it'd be nice if we could sign so-and-so because, you know, we want someone who could be versatile, someone who could clog the lane someone who could grab any running back that just tries to get through and someone who can get pressure. And I don't know, boys, I think on one hand, we've, we probably found our man, Leonard Williams, but uh, this might be jumping the gun a little on the discussion or even future talk. But I think this might be a guy that if he plays how we think he's going to play, that the Seahawks may want to, you know, this is the final year of his contract. We may be making a move to retain him for future Seahawk. It's definitely, it's definitely the, the, they made the trade with an eye to the future. I think at so. The, at this point in the, I, and this is the point I was going to make about that. At this point in the Seahawks history, um, we've had this GM coach team for so long. They have scouted everyone in the league. They know these guys. Okay. They can go back and look how many little hammers each guy had when they'd go to trade for them. And so when they're thinking about Montez Sweat versus Leonard Williams versus Chase Young, all these guys who are available on the trade market, Okay, they know which guys they've in, they've interviewed these guys. You know, they know them a little bit. Now, guys can change over the course of an NFL career. Leonard Williams has been in the NFL for now seven years, eight years. He's been in the NFL for a while. He's not like a, a young man, but he he they know they kind of know what they're getting. Now, let's talk about the you talked about positional flexibility. Let's talk about how Leonard Williams plays football. So he takes about two thirds two thirds of a snap in the B gap. And then he takes uh, most of the rest of his snaps over the tackle. He has taken some outside the tackle in his career, but not much and less lately. So it happens occasionally. But this is someone who we can play in the gap or over the tackle. So that's 4-3 end or 3-4 end. He can play both of those positions very admirably. And like you said, create pass rush and be disruptive. This is a guy, when we come out on third, this is the, this is the thing that I think has been happening this year. When we come out on third down now this year, we often come out with four down linemen. Why do we do that? Well, it's because our interior guys can't quite make enough pressure if we lined up with five guys on the line. But it would be better to line up with five guys on the line. Why? Because now we're completely disguising where the rush is coming from, right? We have two defensive ends. We have the three guys in the middle. Three guys in the middle are rushing, but which defensive end is coming? I don't know. How do I shift my protection? It is difficult, more difficult for the quarterback in that situation. Now that we have Williams, Reed, and Jones in the middle, I do think that we're going to see a lot more bare fronts, five man fronts in the in the uh, in those situations, and we're going to be disguising the pass rush a lot, a lot. Four guys are going to be rushing, but they're not going to know is Mafe coming? Is Taylor coming? They're gonna, they're not going to be a hundred percent sure, and that is advantage Seahawks and I'm really excited about it because I do think interior pass rush is super disruptive and super fun now uh Kevin we have been making this podcast since 2015 did you did you have uh Leonard Williams scouting report still on your, on your computer 
so those scouting reports did not make it onto uh, Google at the time. Okay. So I actually don't have a copy of the scouting report, but I remember us having the discussion with him when he ended up getting dealt to the Giants. Um, a couple of factors that I think carry over. The big one, he's a guy who offers high-end interior pass rush while not sacrificing playing against the run. Something mm-hmm. we talked about with Draymond Jones was that he's a below-average uh, player against the run, except this season he's doing pretty well. But typically he offers like pretty good interior pass rush. Leonard Williams is that rare guy who consistently is a quality player against the run, but his pass rush has improved over time. Yeah, he's I was gonna say a, his, his best PFF ratings are the last are the last two years. He's he's really like added to his toolkit as time has gone on and has kind of become more of a of a premier pass rusher. Part of that might be playing next to uh Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence as well. I mean, I'm not going to give him all that, but he's never been a bad pass rusher. His lowest PFF rating in pass rush is 65.8 his rookie year. That And he's never done worse than that since. That is a good rating. I would totally yeah. take that. I'm accepting of that. We'll also look at like what we've done this year in stopping the run. A lot of our run stops are after a few yards. The Cleveland Browns had a 3.9 average this weekend uh, against us. Uh, not really moving the ball at will, but certainly, you know, if they'd have just, I think if they'd have kept running I was, the ball instead of I was of passing, very irritated with the repeated inside runs. Yes. They just ran, yep. they ran off, le- they ran and left guard gap and right guard gap just a cutbacks, million times. Also cutbacks. Yeah. And looking at Leonard Williams' tape, uh, I don't know if he hates the cutback as much as KJ hated screens, but it's real close. <laughs> that man hates yeah. cuts back. He doesn't allow them. And that's, uh, I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. Little, it's a, little, maybe a week late, but it didn't hurt us. It's a, it's a great scheme fit. He obviously went to USC. I don't know if he went to USC early enough that Pete is the guy that recruited him. It's no. close. It's close, though, because he came out. He'll say he thought about it. Oh, speaking of close, this is off topic. But with the throwback uniforms, did uh, you hear Gino with the quip uh, asking Jason Peters if he played against the Seahawks in those uniforms? I heard that. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. That yeah, anyway, that was low that and dirty. Okay, so now let's talk Actually, about. The he comp- probably high school scouted him because Leonard Williams was a big deal coming out. That was, a, if I remember yes. correctly, he was a five star kid. So yeah, he's the num- he was number six overall picked in the draft. I think Leonard Leonard Williams. I bet you Pete no, no, was, no, like scouted him like his sophomore year right, of high school. Exactly, he was, I, he, yeah. Pete was involved at some point in the in the scouting, <laughs> even though he ended up at USC. You're right, 2012, the first year Pete was gone, uh, which makes sense to me. Okay, uh, Leonard Williams, second. And fifth round pick. Let's talk about the compensation now. I, I think we've all we all agree it's a good player. The player yes. it's nice. A second rounder is significant. We over the last two years we've seen the Seahawks hit with Boye Mafe. We've seen them hit with uh, my son with with Brett Hall, and we've seen them. It's a moderate hit with Taylor. We'll talk about Taylor a lot in the NK nine But like we have second round picks are valuable. This is not a no slim pickings. I do think that this player was available for less. I feel like a third and a fifth probably gets it done. If we didn't have to get them to pay all the salary, I think we had to pay up a little bit because we could not afford one penny of salary. And I think that hurt us in a lot of the other negotiations as well. Montez sweat and chase young, those negotiations. I mean, if we're look, if we were trying to get some, we were trying to get someone to not just give us a player, but give us a player and also pay their entire salary for this year. So we did not have to restructure anybody else, which is smart. I think I kind of agree with that uh, strategy for the Seahawks. And now we get a chance to evaluate Williams in our system and decide whether or not we want to give him another contract. I think it's a kind of a win-win. Uh, also, that us. second round pick ideally is going to be late in the second round. We should yeah. have uh, we have Denver's third round, which is just basically a late second rounder. I was about to say there, there's a decent <laughs> chance there's about ten spots between the pick we get from Denver and the pick we just gave up. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah. That's well, Denver. Hey, Denver straight. beat Kansas City last week. They're right back in it. They didn't take any. They didn't trade Jerry Judy. They're 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 playing for the for the win now. That's uh, a choice. Sure. Hey, man. I, I I Russell Wilson's stats aren't that bad. Really look at him. He has better rating, less uh, you know, more touchdowns than Patrick Mahomes. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm 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 starting the I'm starting the Russ is not that bad uh train right now i'm, I'm gonna get that train off, off the tracks okay best, best well, of luck to you people people really are frustrated they think this is too much i just don't think it's that big of a deal you guys have uh people have to understand this team is in position now to win the division 
uh, they they know the they know the player. They feel really good about the player. This gives them an opportunity to evaluate our system. If he leaves, if he plays good and leaves, like if he outplays our ability to re-sign him, awesome. We'll just get a third compensatory next year. Well, we're finally at a point in building our roster out where the Seahawks might end up on the right side of a compensatory calcu- calculation. We've seen this like, the last couple of years where like we needed to bring in too many players. We were never going to get on the right side of the compensatory calculation. Now um, we've built out the roster with like a million draft picks and we, we have all this, these resources. We're going to be on the right side of this calculation at this point. This is not something we need to worry about as much. So yeah, I, I like it. I think people get frustrated when they see Chase Young going to the 49ers for a compensatory third. They see stuff like that. That frustrates them. Can I talk about this a little bit more? Do you guys care if I like rant a little bit? No, I'd, um, I'd be I, have a, I have a, I have a pretty do big wanna, take on this. Do you want to finish discussing the re-signing conversation and then talk about the other trades? Or sure. do you want to talk about this yeah. as part of the compensation? I mean, I just think, okay, <clears throat> in general, okay, let's say we offered a third for Chase Young also. And let's say, and there, there's really strong rumors that the Falcons offered their third rounder for Chase Young, which is definitely going to be a better, a, a more valuable third than a compensatory third because it's going to be in the actual third round and not in the compensatory section, okay, which is what they got from the 49ers. But at some point, like those picks are really close in value, right? The compensatory third and the Falcons third. And you do want a big thing for NFL franchises that I think the average fan does not think about. It's not just min-maxing on a spreadsheet that you have these agents and you have relationships with them and you want to maintain those relationships and you want the relationship to be good because at the end of the day, you got to get free agents to come sign for your team. And we see Chicago trading a second for Montez Sweat, which is a tacit admission that they think they have no chance of winning him in free agency. Their only way to win him is to hold him hostage with the franchise tag. Okay? That's an admission. They're like saying, hey, we're not going to get him. We're not going to get him. We are not getting this guy. So you know what we're going to do? poverty franchise, the Chicago Bears. Because there's a thing. Unlike us, we, if we trade second and a fifth for Leonard Williams, we get half a season, we make the playoffs, we win two games, we we flame out. Leonard Williams wasn't that good. We let him go. Okay, it's not the end of the world. Like, we made the playoffs. We won a couple games. The Chicago Bears are not making the playoffs. They literally traded a second round to hold Montez Sweat hostage. That's what they did. They traded a second round pick to hold him hostage. Now, the Chase Young situation, 49ers cannot, cannot re-sign him. They cannot do it. But you look at what what is chase young's he maybe he wants maybe he's thinking like you know i liked living in washington maybe i'd come back and they want to maintain that relationship with his agent maybe that agent has a bunch of clients in the nfl and they want to change the perception of washington as a place to go because right now you know what the perception is the washington reds or washington commanders don't uh, go that's there a, a leaking don't. toilet pipe in rfk terrible mascot, that is the reputation terrible helmets <laughs> Great do not scheme. Get it. Do not come here. Major Teddy will sleep by the be- the foot of your bed. <laughs> so so <laughs> so so they they the reputation's horrible. So they probably go to Chase Young and they say, "Look, we got an offer from the Niners that we like. We got an offer from the Falcons that we like. We got an offer from the CX for, that we like. Who do you want to go play for?" And you know what? Chase Young's an idiot because he picked the 49ers. All right, let's <laughs> let's go ahead, Ke- Kevin. Now you wanted to talk a little a bit more about Chase for- Young. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Candlestick right. Stadium. But it but it helps their Not relationship with yet. The, helps their relationship <laughs> with the agent. It makes them San Francisco has a reputation of being like a, a place that people want to go for whatever reason. California is great. I'm not going to lie and say California sucks. Anyway, um, <laughs> the 49ers suck, but the the state of California is a great place to visit and and probably live. Uh, okay, Kevin, uh, you want to talk about potentially resigning Leonard Williams? So the thing about Leonard Williams that we have to keep in mind is he's already been franchised twice, which under the current franchise rules makes for that odd case where he gets that like super max bonus. So uh, one thing to consider is that franchising him is not on the table. The second thing to consider, though, is that he's going to be going into his age 30 season and he has played for a often woeful Jets franchise and a Giants franchise that never really managed to get over the hump. Um, I think it's going to be interesting for him if he comes in. He if you look at the deal he signed with the Giants, it was a very player friendly deal. He did a great job of maximizing his contract. There are a lot of guarantees, and this could go one of two ways. Either he goes, you know, I made a ton of money off my last extension. I'm doing really good. Now I'm in the part of my career where I want to go chase a ring. Or he goes, you know, I want one last big contract. And if he's ring chasing and he has a good time with the Seahawks and, you know, we make it to the NFC Championship game, maybe we make it to the Super Bowl. 
it could be setting us up for a situation where he goes, yeah, I could do a two or a three year deal with the Seahawks, be part of this like Geno window that we know is open with this exciting core. And <laughs> he knows he could be a big time player for that. And this might be the part of his career where that's what he's looking to do. So I don't think that we can rule out resigning him. I just think that the leverage we have is pretty minimal. And that could be that could be a bit of a problem. I, I my only hope is that we don't give him we don't give him too big of a contract considering uh considering his age. I think like something in the neighborhood of three thirty you know, gets the job done. Three thirty six, something like that. That seems yeah, to be about say 336 right. Three thirty six ish, yeah. Um, and then another thing too is like we have forty one players under contract for next year most of the players you're thinking of when you think of like who you want us to have next year are all under contract. Um, and Tyler they, could be restructured in a couple of different ways because his cap hit is disgusting. Tyler, Quandre <clears throat> have huge cap hits that would be very easy to restructure. Uh, Add a couple years as an extension that smooths right. the money out over a couple years. Yeah, exactly. Quandre, like Quandre may be a different uh, scenario too at the end of this year. You never know. Yeah. You could move Quandre and Quandre could be a cut candidate. You could you could go there if you if you really wanted to. But I think going because going into next year, you cut Quandre, you save eleven million dollars. I do think Quandre is a good candidate though to do like a void year or to do like a like you said, Kevin, a short extension that that bumps like you know now he's going to be here for two more years, but we're gonna you know move some money in, around so this you know the money he would get next year that twenty million is all guaranteed but he's going to be under contract for three years and we kind of have the options later. Yeah. Okay. I could see, I could see it being like, Hey, we're going to extend basically Quandre and Lockett for the amount of time we're signing Leonard Williams for. And it's like, this is our window. This is when this court needs to win. Okay. Classic Seahawks game this week. Browns versus Seahawks <laughs> uh, starts great. Uh, many minutes of frustration ends great. Classic, just a classic, this classic Seahawks formula. Uh, was there ever any doubt for you, Eric? Did you think we were going to lose? Yeah. Um, uh, come on. This is a classic, classic Pete Carroll game. game. <laughs> it's a classic Pete Carroll game. You had to think that we were going to pull it out. No, 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 no. <laughs> this was a, this was a Broncos, um, Broncos, dear Lord, different orange team, uh, a Browns team that was not moving the ball at will, but pretty close. Uh, a team that frankly, we were bailed out by their terrible coach. Uh, um, and their terrible decision-making and, uh, I'm just I'm just so happy that we somehow uh, made this uh, made this win when we really uh, we had we we snatched defeat out of the uh, we snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. They had this game. They could have totally won this if they had just run the ball and played a little smarter. Um, I think they definitely could have won this game, but they didn't because we're champions and Gino. Uh, maybe reined it in didn't need to be so overconfident and uh and dk definitely uh skirted the the terrible officiating by a millisecond uh, that is how we won and that is why i didn't have like huge huge faith we were gonna win <laughs> i okay so i think it's interesting because gino gino okay Let's let's have. The I put I put a lot of points now. out there. Yeah, someone Gino, someone in the Discord said that Gino had his Russell Wilson game where he caused every problem that he solved. Gino was not perfect in this game. He was very <laughs> frustrated. Kevin. But and even like even when he wasn't under pressure, I actually thought the offensive line did a great job. I I was watching Miles Garrett on every play. You know, I'm always looking for 95. Every single time that we snap the ball, I'm at the game. And I'm just looking for 95 because it's the player that they need to count for. They left Cross on an island on Garrett a lot, and he got one sack. He got one sack the whole game. They did a great job. Cross, give Cross his flowers. 2.56 time to throw, too. That was good. They had a plan. Yeah, they had a plan. They were going to get the ball out quick. They were going to let Cross. I mean, he did allow a lot of pressures. I'm not going to say that. Like, he, you know... It's Miles Garrett. I don't know what to say. Like, what do you want from me? This guy's going to do work. But they did a good job of, like, making sure that it was somewhat contained. I thought it was interesting the Peters Forsyth. They did the thing they did last year with Gabe Jackson where they, like, kind of switched him a couple times. It's very – I don't like that. Don't do that. Continuity along the offensive line is the most important part of offensive line play. I don't like it. I don't think it's smart. I 
do not. What do you think of the offensive line play throughout the entire game, though? If they put a senior and a junior on their jerseys and had them switch out, would it be like the Griffies and then it's okay? Offensive line was solid, but not spectacular. (laughs) That they did allow a lot of pressures. 19 pressures is a lot, but they were good enough. And this is a this is a really good defense. I know everyone's going to be like, well, they gave up 35 points to the Colts in the previous week. But you can't you cannot do like an apple and oranges comparison like that. It's completely unfair to to just be like, oh, well, they gave up a lot of points to the the, the Colts. So the Seahawks should have got 38 points as well. Like the, the way that the Colts got those points with the the weird turnovers and then the 75 and 59 yard passes like, the, yeah, that's. They didn't have those breakdowns against us because they were more prepared to stop big plays. They didn't expect Gardner Minshew to be bombing it deep compared to Geno. I mean, that's just they had a different game plan for us, and I don't think people should be that that frustrated. By I think it. there was but, another factor on that too. There's kind of a turning point in the game as far as score went uh, because we had like after the second drive. Um, okay, so we kind of we used Bobo in a really interesting way as almost a tight end, and we had a third drive that ended in a field goal. And that was after um, Emerson had uh, what I think based on later officiating ruling should have been considered a DPI against DK in the end zone. And so he had seven get turned into three. DK had a really weird day. He did, but we had seven turned into three on that one. And then we turn around and the next drive was the one where Reek was called on the, uh, DPI on fourth and two uh, when he was face guarding Amari Cooper. And again, that's the one that doesn't line where, up with the with the way that where he hit him in the, uh, the one where he like, hit him in the chest. Is that the one you're talking about? Uh, the one. Well, so I not the Kevin, one where he got called for the hands to the face in the fourth quarter, but the one, one where he got called for having his back to the oh, ball, yeah, okay, even yeah, though yeah. he was playing ball. The one like, in the fourth, like, the one in the fourth quarter. The one in the fourth quarter that hands to the face call with against Woolen, I have never been. I I don't usually go there. Like I don't usually go like, oh yeah, this, but that felt like ref ball. Like I was like, I cannot believe this call. It's unbelievable that didn't even hit him in the face. And like that's pretty normal offensive line play. Like the the wide receiver did a good job snapping his head back to make it look good. That's all I can say. Like hats off to who is that Elijah Moore. Hats off to Elijah Moore for really selling that. Really old referees. Not many people's Jones isn't even on the Browns anymore. He got traded. Not one, yeah, not X X Brown Donovan Peoples Jones. Now he's he went out. He went out on top with that penalty. All right, (laughs) he played himself into a better team. But seriously, if you that led to a uh, that led to their second touchdown, and uh, the game was seventeen fourteen. If you play that sequence out with the penalties being called the same in each spot you're talking about an extra Seahawks possession um, instead of the possession that resulted in the pick on the sideline on throw DK. And you're probably talking about the Seahawks going in with about a 10 point or a double digit lead going into halftime. And that's a very different game coming back out. Like there were there, this was the, this was that game where everything slightly went against the Seahawks. And if we weren't a strong team, This is the game we fold and we lose and it's really frustrating. So coming out of a with of this type of game with a win feels really big to me just because it means all the points where you could have broken down, where you could have gotten frustrated, where you could have mentally lost the game. They didn't. They stayed strong. They felt like they could win. And after the ball ricochets off Jamal Adams head and love comes down with it, the offense is like, we're doing this. Yeah. All right. And Waldrick gives um, everyone a big middle finger by scoring the game winning touchdown on a screen. So I got to, I got to <laughs> talk. We got to have the DK conversation right here. Everyone's cause everyone's kind of thinking about it. 14 targets, only five receptions, 67 yards, 43 of those yards coming on one play. Right. So in the kind of a, kind of a bad day, every Gino threw a lot of inaccurate passes to DK Metcalf in this game. It was weird. He I felt skipped like, like three. I felt like every he every bad pass he threw in this game was targeted to DK. And they were ba- they were really bad, like really inaccurate, especially for Gino, who is a guy who I think we would all agree at this point you could say is a pr- kind of an accuracy monster. That's the thing he's good at is making yeah. throwing accurate footballs. This is his greatest skill. Really weird day for for DK. I would not read into it too much. It did it was interesting and a lot of the third down plays 
uh, when we have three wide receivers on the field, it was Bobo, Smith and Jigba, and Lockett. I do think that speaks to DK's kind of still coming back from his injury and not being uh, 100%. They were protecting him a little bit in terms of snap count. And so because of that, you know, just just keep that in mind. Like, not only are they protecting for a second, maybe the timing's off a little bit because of the injury or something like that. Because it did see, feel like every inaccurate throw was going to DK, which is pretty, which is pretty strange. So, all right, any okay? Let's go to any other wide receivers. Okay, you want who do you want, Kevin? We got to do the rookies again. Who do you want? Which rookie you want? Okay, so since I uh, I know Eric <laughs> is the bobosexual, I will talk about my boy JSN. All right, good JSN. Give give it to me. Great, uh, so great job on Jackson the screen. Smith and Jigba. Um, he is the uh, the secret ingredient that makes the screen game taste good. Uh, that has been confirmed. He had two lovely passes, uh, lovely catches. That due to averaging twelve point seven uh, yak Deep. yards per reception. DK heard uh, me talking game, about that's, his that's blocking, gross. didn't he? Didn't DK hear? Yeah, did. DK heard me talking about me blocking because I was like, he's not that good of a blocker. He's like, I'll show this. I'll show this idiot. Yeah, yeah switch to DK, not, and I took that well, personally. What can I? What can I say? I'm an idiot. Like that was a he really called good his block. dad over the week. He was like, Dad, I need tips. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he is. I, I th- I've always thought it was kind of like a weird effort thing, and he really, I think he really zoned in on that play. Like he knew what his job was. Maybe it's just that, you know, when he doesn't know the play's coming towards him or it's going to, he's going to need to block. You know what I mean? Like it's, you know, I kind of, ch- you mentally check out when you're not 100% sure. It's kind of, yeah. you can't really help it. It's not, it's not that. It's not like a, ax- like a thing he's doing on purpose. But he knew yeah, the it, he, thing, knew he had to have Jigba, that block. Jackson Smith Jigba has been a phone booth monster um, on the season. Like he's just, he, for a guy who's not especially fast, who his agility drills are not insane. He just is really good at making the first guy miss. He's really good at angles. This guy, I don't know if he was a math major. He's like great at angles and geometry. He's just sitting there calculating like pursuit angle in his in his head and like extending plays ever so slightly in a way that makes him always pick up a little bit of extra yardage. So I uh, 36 yards like in this game, Kevin, 36 yep. yards receiving 38 yards after the catch. That's it. Uh, 0.3 uh, dot. Yeah, dude. dude <laughs> His a dot was under a yard. <laughs> get, get this guy the ball at the line of scrimmage. Let him make something happen. And boy, did he ever! All right, Eric, Bobo. Rushing, oh, you don't want touchdown. me to? Oh, I rushing thought you were going to touchdown. I thought you were going to have me go with a fourth year rookie, D. Eskridge. D. Eskridge. No. All right. Uh, <laughs> when D. Uh, D. Eskridge. No, 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 no. no. I, wait, wait. I set, I, I set myself up for this. I go to the game with with Arnon uh, and Elliot, right from from the Discord, and I'm we're talking, and I said he's like, oh, D. Eskridge is back, and he's returning the kickoff, and I go, you ever seen the you ever seen the movie? Nope. He's like, no, I haven't watched it yet. He's like, at the beginning, he says, well, <laughs> at the beginning, he says, have you ever seen a bad miracle? And I think if Diesker scored a touchdown right here, we I would strongly consider that a bad miracle. Uh, I just love I, how I, I, I don't want that to happen. That's a bad omen. He scored a touchdown. We are losing by fifty. Some somebody asked me if uh, the screenplay was back because uh, of the the JSN touchdown at the end, and I was like, well. Uh, just because JSN ran a couple good screens doesn't mean we're good at the screen. We're still getting stuff. No, it just means it just means JSN is good. And <laughs> and uh, Bobo with the, with the three yard end around touchdown that was really amazing. Sweep. Did not mean that D Eskridge should have ran one on the next drive. That was just <laughs> that was karma so, just smacking so the Seahawks is, in the face. On the Jake Bobo play, D Eskridge is on the field, and I was like, oh, I wonder if they'll run. D for for jet action and Bobo for jet action instead. Yeah, and I was like, you know what? That's probably better. That's probably better. You know what I loved about that though is that's Bobo. the exact same jet action we kept using for Bobo to lead block in the goal line, and like great use of uh, using an established tape dynamic to yes. uh, to make a little bit of a change up. That was good play calling. Yeah, Bobo. I never want to see it again. Uh, I don't think it's going to work again. I'm like the coach in major league. Nice catch maze. Don't ever do it again. Um, Bobo yeah. Bobo is, is great though. He's the idealized uh, David Moore. It's Honestly, David, if David Moore was perfect. He would be Jake Bobo. I think that's a fair <laughs> assumption because David Moore, nothing against him. He was far from perfect. Uh, Bobo, but he, was, though, but he was solid, right? But David Moore was solid. Hey, Bobo is just perfect. He's the perfect exactly. number four receiver. Bobo with two targets this week. Uh, the end around touchdown was great. 
Um, two targets, two receptions. Here's the thing with us trying to be a, a run first team, although I've been saying that every week and I look at our run stats at the end of every game and I'm like, shouldn't we be running the ball more? Um, there's still we'll limited targets. <laughs> there's like, you know, there's, it seems like one guy is going to get the lion's share and then everyone else is kind of, you know, stuck with the scraps this week. Uh, you know what? DK came in second with five receptions, fourteen and, targets. So they were trying to get in the ball. Yeah, and it's just it's one of those things where you're someone's going to be odd man out. And for we're talking about rookies here, but Bobo with a a limited stat there's, line, but really great game. You know, with us, there's like three hundred passing yards to go around, right, Eric? So at <laughs> the end of the day, like that. only like one or one of these guys can get two hundred yards. Or if we're spreading around like we were this time, Fant thirty two. You know, we have Bobo with the 23, Charbonnet with 11. Like, they're just spreading it around. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, I was flashing twos because it was Fant. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought, sorry, I thought Kevin was, I thought Kevin was doing the too legit to quit. Uh, all right. So, that's it. Lockett, eight catches, five first downs, touchdown. Uh, Tyler Lockett rules. No question about that. If you ever had any doubt. And, uh, he took a big hit trying to get, trying to get, uh, some extra yards in this game so you know he was he was feeling it he was where he rises to the moment and the browns felt bad about that and that's when fant tried to get extra yards they just let him do it for like 20 (laughs) they were like they're like it's the end of the game this guy's gonna run out of bounds hey you you want to know you want to know my favorite stat from this game eric so you brought up the d eskridge play d eskridge (laughs) one rush for negative five yards yes four yards after contact (laughs) <laughs> well someone's trying to impress pro football focus yeah i was like i was like i was like how do you how do you figure was he at some point was he nine yards behind the line of scrimmage <laughs> i don't understand this i i didn't rewatch the play so i don't know i i never went back and looked for it but let's start with the run game okay because kenneth walker and zach charbonnet combined for 13 rushes for a hundred and i'm doing math in my head 119 yards this is this was a running game that was doing an extremely good job, but they didn't go. They didn't keep going to it. They didn't keep paying, pounding the rock. I mean, Walker, 8.3 yards per attempt. Charbonnet, 10.6 yards per attempt. I hate to say it because, you know, Pete, Grandpa Pete, probably if he hears this, he's going to like cream his jeans or whatever. I I think they should run more. This If you're running it this well against a Browns team that looks like they're over-pursuing a lot, like – Run it until they stop you. You know, make make them make them stop you. I don't know. And it wasn't like they got it all in one play either. Like, I mean, I know Walker well, had the forty five. Well, got forty five, but like Charbonnet was consistently busted out. Like Charbonnet had five attempts, and three of them went for ten or more yards. Oh, yeah, that's some consistently weeks. like just, just let Charbonnet run some run somebody I over. Thought, I thought Charbonnet been kind of like injured the last couple of weeks because I was like, I know he. He had that hand thing, and maybe he just isn't feeling right or whatever. I just think we're we're leaning too much on K nine in the wrong situation. What is it, Marshawn? Eric, said? it's because run, everyone run. knows that a great Charbonnet must be corked and allowed to yeah, uh, breathe for a little while. Uh, so what? What is it, Marshawn uh, used to say though, guys? He used to say you uh, you run through a mother lover's face, right? And I think that's yeah, what that's Char- Charbonnet does, and I think that's what they need to do a little bit. This is a team now. We are getting we are getting to the point. I think we can say it. Are you guys ready for this? This is a team with a good defense. I, Ooh. I, I think we can Pretty say spooky it now. Spooky stuff this, on Halloween. Maybe. We are now up to 18th rank in a DVOA on defense from like 32nd after week three. We were down at the in the depths. Now, oh no, we're 15th now. We have a higher defensive DVOA than the vaunted Philadelphia Eagles. Look, okay. Uh, look. Look who's Wherever in the uh, upper half of the league, boys. This is a good defense. And at some point, like, wear them down. If you're running for 6.7 yards a rush, wear them down. We 17 rushes total is not enough. And two of those are kneel down, so they don't even count. 15 well, total rushes. to get punched in the mouth, right? I mean, the kneel down offense is pretty strong, though. I'm not going to lie. Teams that, <laughs> kneel, teams that kneel multiple times in games are basically undefeated. So, okay. <laughs> Big facts. I think we should open open the game with two kneel downs. You'll never lose. It's uh, real st- quick though. Uh, another thing about Charbonnet though: two catches on two targets, eleven yards. Charbonnet has take has completely taken over DJ Dallas's third down roll, and I think that's definitely to the benefit of the Seahawks offense. 
but also I think that's a good sign about him getting an overall larger, uh, larger workload. I think what we're going to see is there's going to be a game where they decide to lean much heavier on the run game. Maybe it's next week against, or maybe it's this upcoming week against the Ravens where maybe they want to shorten the game, but regardless, there's going to be that uh, week where we lean on it and we're going to have two backs that can carry the load. That's the right side run thing with, with Forsyth and Pete slash Peters and Anthony Bradford was, was it, that was those zone runs on the right side were so good with, uh, with, with either Bradford Forsyth, wants everyone to know Peters, that he and then Bradford, your defensive linemen and they know what they did. <laughs> we got the full Bradford experience in this them. game. He yeah. was, he was not good in the past game. But no. he was he was real good in the running game, and it's Just like dump trucking dudes came yeah, out looking like, like that Sam is Bradford. the that is the full Bradford, and I feel like we got the full cross too, where he was just like on an island against Miles Garrett holding his own, and then when we ran to the left, it was like ooh, should have gone to the right. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> to the left, he's like taking this play off. I need to rest my legs for Miles Garrett. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, when we talk about Charbonnet, don't forget to don't ignore the 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 uh, the Greek god of punt returns. Uh, DJ, DJ Dallas, Dallas. He he's he's found his he's found his niche, and I couldn't be happier as long. I as mean, the tone was set from the first play of the game. We do the directional the directional kick right uh, to kick off in the for, in the beginning of the game. They don't fair catch it for some reason, which you know, knew the new rule is if you fair catch, you get the twenty five no matter what. So they don't fair catch it. They try to bring it out, and Jarek Reed the second, my tone setter, my my big hammer, just yes. destroys him in like the nineteen. It was like that was. That was a tone setting moment. I felt like those first two drives went off because of that. You know, that's like a that's classic Jarek. Okay. Defense time. You guys ready for defense? Yes. Bobby Speaking Wagner. of the first Bobby two Wagner drives good. setting it off. Bobby Wagner good. Yeah. Boy Amafe good. Wait, he, uh Bobby Wagner moved up to what thirteenth all time in tackles? Yeah. Over Clay Matthews Sr. First all time in my heart. Mafe though. This guy. I just can't – I can't say enough. Here's a guy. Four pressures, six run stops. He is a complete player. So good. Better than we ever could have – I think – I imagined he could be pretty good. There was flashes of it last year, but this is better than I ever could have imagined. This is what you feel greedy for saying a second-round pick's going to be? Like, as someone who falls in love with a lot of players in the draft – uh, to the point where it's become a meme between Nathan and I, like where, where I'm like, this guy could be extremely good. And Nathan's like, this guy's going in the fourth. People in the fourth are not extremely good. And I'm like, I know, but I love him that much. Well, this I'm guy, like, I, I usually have to tell Kevin like, hey, guy, only like one dude every year in the fourth round makes it to the Pro Bowl. And I'm one like, to- this is one, one time in their one time one. in their career, like one guy, one of these guys is going to make one Pro Bowl ever. <laughs> Well, and so Mafe is the idealized version of what I think we thought he could be. He has that uh, he has that lightning first step, which there were multiple plays where he affected the uh, <laughs> the passing game because he was just on Walker before Walker even had time to make his first read. Like he, he looks also, fast and confident. He was the victim of another bad uh, call this week, but again, I'm I'm not angry with him at all because. I thought he handled it perfectly, and honestly, someone that aggressive is going to get uh, the lack of the. He, he's he's not going to get benefit of the doubt. He's going to be like, oh, this guy wrecks people, you know, uh, it's a penalty. But I'll take that any day with a, with a guy who plays like Boya Mafe. Well, and it was Brooks who got the strip right on the uh, second Browns drive, or the, and so yeah, Brooks, Brooks got the strip. Brooks got the strip. Uh, Mafe dives on it. Gorgeous. Okay. Uh, Guys, players who have had a five straight sacks streak in the first two years of their career. You ready? Here's the list. Bruce Smith. Pretty, pretty good. good. Mario Williams. Pretty good. Vaughn Miller. Ooh. Joey Bosa. Okay. Alden uh, Smith. Yeah, not bad. No, no. Good, good, good at football. A little gentleman crazy. That guy was the bomb. <laughs> Javon Curse. Yeah, Boy Amafe. Terrible name. Boy Amafe. Right. Endless. Endless. That's some good company. <laughs> yeah. That's real good, boy. Guys, it's time to start. It's time to start. Like whatever hype your level you're at for Boy Mafe, you need to go up like two more levels. Okay, if you are at like before a, the season, you, Nate's like we need somebody to like become the guy. Boy Mafe is becoming the guy. the guy before our eyes. He is going to have thirteen. He's on pace for like thirteen sacks and fifty run stops. This guy, this is it. This is the dude. 
right here. Okay, get pumped. You need to be 100% on the train. Elliot bought a Boye Mafe throwback before the game. Smart move. Okay, this is it. Get your Boye Mafe. Also got his, uh, oh, join the Mafia. Yeah, good get call. your Get your Boye Mafe stocks, okay? Get, the, get, your, get your stuff in order. You need to get in on the ground. It's too late to get in on the ground level, but there's still time to get in before we hit the peak because he is ascending before our eyes. This is this is the guy. Now he's gonna like tear his ACL and make me depressed. Have <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, please. Uh, Jordan, Jordan Brooks. I think Jordan Brooks looks like Jordan Brooks. When we ask Jordan all Brooks, the Jordan Brooks things. I was gonna say when we ask Jordan Brooks to attack, he is good. When Jordan Brooks has to think, he is bad. So just stop making him think. Any play where he has to think, just don't do it. Do a different play. Another baseball movie reference. Don't think you don't want to hit the ball club. Oh man. Jamal Adams is allowed to think. That's the guy. That's the guy who's allowed to think. Adams, he can do all the thinking. Uh, Jamal Jordan Adams Brooks, had less. three open field tackles in this game that it was just like, well, that's a touchdown if Jamal Adams isn't the one who's there. Like Jamal just it was it was one on one squaring up, and like the person had all the room on earth to shake him, and he's like, no, nah, I'm just gonna stick this dude. And he just did like those are the tackles that we always get frustrated that Quandre can't quite do because that's not Quandre's game. Jamal Adams like, no, this guy is going to go to the dirt. Jamal Adams slander is not allowed in my vicinity any longer. If you say one bad thing around Jamal Adams around me, (laughs) be be prepared. I'm angry now as as the Jamal Jamal Adams Adams is hashtag my president as the critic of Jamal Adams. His um, what a solid game if he doesn't have that that pass that uh, goes off his head at the end of the game, it's still like an amazing, like just solid game where, where you can't sit here and, you know, he's not going to show up on the stat line as this amazing guy. Um, but so he say had the tip is that the game. bounce. Uh, I was oh, gonna the say, header. The header. I was going to say something like he really used his head and then say this dad joke is brought to you by Washington fish quest. Wow. What a fish. That's, but, that's <laughs> a way, that's a way to get ahead in life. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, Frank Clark, I would not mind if this was grand opening, grand closing. I know <laughs> it's too early. Come on, it's too early for Frank Clark. I was started. I started to dig in, and I said, "Nah, just wait a week." I didn't bad. realize that Frank Clark was playing against his own child because I've never seen a defensive lineman get hugged as much as he did in that game, which is a little rough to watch. But at the same time, like, yeah, it would have been like there were a couple of times where I'm like, "Who is this guy? Is this?" That's not 51. Is that 57? Is that hey, Frank Clark? This is not good. The Cleveland Browns had that little brownie logo on their pants, and he just thought it was super cute. So I just <laughs> I cannot take much more. For Frank Clark's going to play like that in every game. Yikes. Like, I could see why he got cut by two two teams this year. They watch Frank <laughs> Clark play, and they're like, what? we're trading for Leonard Williams. <laughs> I feel like that might have been the case, dude. They they had one game of Frank Clark, and they're like, ooh. They're saying it. But saying it, boys. Uh, all right, uh, two more guys I want to go over before we get to the the Ravens. Okay, Draymond Jones, five pressures, good. Draymond is Draymond starting to get comfortable in the system. Uh, I like it. And then um, last Real guy quick, I want to talk. Uh, Williams coming in it also makes it so that uh, Draymond, uh, we can reduce the total number of snaps for Mario, Draymond, and Jaron Reed, which yes. is going to keep them fresher. Keep I them actually fresh think legs, Mario, those older guys, is nice. I think Mario will stay basically the same, maybe like eight less snaps. Like the same, they played 78 snaps right. total. I think maybe Mario, if in that ratio, stays pretty similar, but Draymond and Jaron both dropping by like 25, 30%. Okay. Um, last guy I want to talk about, Daryl Taylor. Got the game clinching sack. Daryl Taylor is so good when the other we know the other team's going to pass. Yep. He's so good. He's situationally great. He just he's like is, Chris Clemens on those early Pete teams where he's he, like, this guy's fast and he does this one thing and we're just going to have him do that thing. Do we yeah, get to know. play him a little more now with Leonard Williams? Does that matter a little he's, bit? He No, we just so need to only play him on his passing. I actually agree with Eric. I think now on third downs, like the, the third down front of t- going left to right, Taylor, uh, Dray- or Draymond, Will, uh, Reed, Williams, Mafe. That has two linebackers who can respectably fall into coverage and also two outside linebackers who can really rush the passer. And you don't know which one of those guys is going to rush now. That's powerful. That's powerful yeah, on the other side. And those three guys in the middle are all disruptive. So, yeah, I think we can make people's 
nightmares. Get those guys rushing free, which is bad. If you, if Mafe and Taylor, they're both so fast. If if they're rushing free, it's over for the, the other team. So yeah, if, if we can create mismatches and and kind of odd man situations, I really like it. Uh, we didn't really get to talk about secondary. They played pretty good. BS penalties. I don't I don't really want I don't want to complain too much about penalties. I hate being that guy, but it, those penalties were. All right, a couple of things garbage. about the Trey, secondary, real quick. Trey, Love Trey getting that Trey, pick was great. Trey Brown getting a pass breakup, awesome. Oh, nice. Trey, Trey, I can't wait for him to tell Amari Cooper to tweet later this week that he put him in a box. That's I mean, Trey, he, Trey Brown putting people in boxes is my favorite thing. What has Brown done for us? Everything. Uh, yeah, Witherspoon got targeted six times and only gave up one reception. Good, good job by you, buddy. You're still Reek had a good game. Still the go. He had a pick. He had another what should have been a pick. Like he got victimized on penalties a couple of times. The, the disbel the disbelief in his oh in he his was body so language. mad he was like what? He was very Just, upset. what what is this what is my treachery what is my life <laughs> uh it's great okay uh we got a hustle so yeah everyone everything else I, I just honestly this is like a great Seahawks win this classic Seahawks game all right we're gonna we now go to face the number one DVOA team in, DVOA team in football. The six and two Baltimore Ravens, the number one defense, the number four offense. We just faced the number two defense, so this is not wholly dissimilar to what we were just up against. I don't think it's it's crazy to think we can score in the twenties against this team. The question is, can we stop Lamar Jackson and the Ravens from doing the same to us? This is a great matchup. If it was in our stadium, it's it's a this is a way game, right? I'm it is not crazy. Game. Yeah, yes. I would feel I would feel a boatload better about it. So what? What do we think about Ravens Seahawks? Uh, Eric, I'll let you go first. Okay, uh, looking this is this is total witchcraft. I'm going off here. Uh, looking at my notes, <laughs> when we went through the schedule at the bye week, we were like, okay, these games are winnable. This is definitely you know the type of game that you know we can. We're going to lose this one. We're going to win this one. The Bengals game was a win. Uh, we thought it might have been a trap game, but really it comes down to if we lose one of these games, we should win. We have to pick up one that we're, we should lose. And we all kind of said that this Ravens game, this is winnable. It's probably a loss, but honestly, this is a game where it's like, you know, this is this is a winnable game, and I feel it's like this a is a game we can win. Sure. I don't feel like they're, they're world beaters. They're just a really well-coached team with a lot of talent. And frankly, that's I really didn't. <laughs> that's know. what you could use in this league, but I really didn't know. Like, so when I was started my research, you know, I'm like, who the the Ravens have the number one DVOA defense? Who do they even have? And I was like, oh my gosh, they got Roquan Smith last year at the end mm-hmm. of the season, and like at the trade deadline. Hey guys, I'm gonna tell you something. Roquan Smith is really good at football. Yeah, like whatever you he think is. about prime Bobby Wagner. You should think the same about Roquan Smith. He does everything good. He's a really good pass rusher. He's a really he's excellent in coverage. One of the five best coverage linebackers in the league. He's a tackling machine. This guy does everything good. So yeah, okay, that's why their defense is so good. They picked up the best middle linebacker and foot best you know current middle linebacker in football and dropped him into their defense. Now they have a, the other thing is, is they've developed a couple guys, Michael Pierce, Rocky Sin, that, and um, they're getting really good play out of Jadavian Clowney's corpse. Like that, th- those things have let. is coming along, yeah. Yeah, they've really done a good job, kind of building a defense that has a nice balance of like crafty veterans, reclamation projects, and then really strong increase like Adafi Owe, and th- that kind of stuff is how you build a great defense. And that so it's not surprising to me, you know. Okay, this defense is really good. It's a really talented defense. So the question, so, you know, we're going to score 20 to 30 points against the def- this defense, you know, depending on the opportunities presented by turnovers and stuff like that. So the question is, how much can we slow down the offense? The offense is also very good because you know who's really good? Lamar Jackson. They, <laughs> this is a good team. It's going to be a tough game. We're going on the road. But like Eric said, it is a winnable game. It is not a, uh, it's not a free square for Baltimore. And if they treat it as such and they underestimate us, we could go in there and really, really make some noise. Uh, Kevin, what's the biggest surprise for me this year for the Baltimore Ravens has been the emergence, the absolute emergence of Zay Flowers, who has been extremely good for them uh, as like a possession, move the chains kind of guy. And has shown that it's not probably not uh, more, uh, sorry, Lamar Jackson's fault that no wide receivers before have been super, super productive for him other than maybe Hollywood Brown. 
This guy has looked uh, really solid, 44 receptions, 461 yards as a rookie, uh, playing kind of all over the the formation. They have a couple of things that were weak against running backs who can catch a really good tight end. Are you? How do how do we how do we attack this? What I really want to know, Kevin, is how do we attack this this Baltimore Ravens offense? Like, can, how do we slow them down a little bit? Well, one of the key things is we need to make sure to hold down the run game because they are going to like the Gus bus is going to be getting probably between 16 and 20 carries. That's going to happen. We need to keep his yards per attempt under four. That's going to be kind of number one. Um, and him that's and just as we can do. Justice Hill have done a really good job kind of carrying that torch for them. They It looked like their running backs might be like real sketchy when J.K. Dobbins went down, but they have done a good job, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, just both averaging over four yards per attempt. So I agree. we got to gotta stop the run. What's 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 next after that? Uh, the next thing is that uh, Lamar Jackson doesn't allow a ton of pressures, but a high number of his pressures go for sacks. If we get pressure on Lamar Jackson, we need to close the deal and get a sack about 20% of the time. So one of every five pressures needs to go for a sack. We should get between, we should get two or three sacks on him. Um, That's sacks or drive killers, especially when they're relying on what typically ends up being shorter yardage passes to tight ends and running backs. And Zay Flowers is basically a running back. And Lamar, the one thing about Lamar Jackson is, is like, like you said, uh, pressures like you have to convert them to sacks because if you don't this guy can make like the craziest throws out of everyone i post a couple plays in the discord like this guy can make throws he basically got in one of these plays he basically got tripped by his center the center was like backing up into him making him fall over and he threw like a dart 15 yards down the field for a touchdown it's an he's an absolute one-of-one athlete and you have to force him to make mistakes and the biggest ways he makes mistakes this guy fumbles a lot Okay, I think this year he already has uh, two, six, eight, eight fumbles. Okay, he fumbles a lot. Man, that's make a him lot. make him fumble the ball. Put him on his back, like Kevin said, because if you can hit him, it causes problems. Uh, their whole offense kind of gets off track. So, and so this hit, is gonna be a toxic diff game. Hit uh, we need to uh, we need to body up a receiver and maybe get a pick where we out physical the receiver at the ball. We need to uh, smack Lamar around and you know, have one of those sacks go for a strip sack. Like that's a thing that can happen. A couple of turnovers and points off of those turnovers is what's going to decide what I think is otherwise a very close game. I think these are actually two pretty well-matched teams. I'd be surprised if it's a blowout either direction. Um, I think the NFL should be doing whatever they can to get Chargers Jets off of Monday night and this game into it. <laughs> I, I just don't understand the NFL scheduling, dude. It's a war crime that I'm going to have to watch a Jets home game in prime time. This is again. NFL. Do, again. S- do something. Chain- it's week nine. Do please <laughs> make Big it Raj, stop. Send help. The pain. I'm in pain. Dude, Sunday night next week. Did you see what Sunday night next week is? November 12th? Nope. Oh my gosh! Jets at Raiders. Yep. That is that was bad. Just, that's, bad just uh, that's great. I didn't want to be in front of the TV on that Sunday night, so I'm pretty happy about that. My gosh, and forty four. There's so many good games too. Packers, Packers, Steelers is better, but 49ers, Jags. Give me that. Give me 49ers, Jags. Put that in prime time. Yeah, Packers, Steelers is better. Do, that's that's do terrible. do anything. I remember uh, Raj hates Jags. T- Texans, bank Texans, Bengals. Let me just let me just watch. Uh, CJ Stroud try to beat the Bengals. I don't care. I just really don't want to watch Jets at Raiders. <laughs> okay. You doing scores? Um, don't worry. Monday night is Broncos Bills. That'll not make up for it. Okay, yeah. Let's do <laughs> let's do let's do let's do scores. I got uh Ravens 31-21. Eric, what do you got? I will go uh man, it's hard for me to pick against the Seahawks. I think it's going to be Jeez Louise, boys. Let's go Seahawks. Back to the high scores. Seahawks 31, Ravens 25. Unique okay. score. Let's go. All right. I'm right. going 27-24, Ravens. All right. Let's uh, let's get to the money zone. There are many ways to support the Seahawks in this podcast. The best way to do so, patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. For as little as our 24 month, join Discord. Uh, sorry there was no post-game chat. I was at the game, and I was, like, trying to get on my phone after I dropped off uh, Arn and uh, 
then I was like, I'll just do it in the car. I'll just go in the car. I'll just do it while I'm driving. And then I was like trying to do it. And I was like, you know what? I'm not trying to die for this. <laughs> it's like, it's not, not worth my life guys. So I, um, you know what? Uh, we'll go, we'll go, maybe we'll go 30 minutes this week. I don't know. We'll figure something out, but I, I'm, we'll be back this week. I'll be at home. Uh, we'll enjoy it. Enjoy it. We're getting close to, uh, to my birthday here. So maybe we'll make it a little celebratory, uh, situation. Thank you to those who support the show. Do it all for the Tucci, Emmanuel, Andy, Brett, Cooper, Evan, Flocktimus, Gavin, James, Joe, Joshua, Lucas, Malcolm, Ryan, Samuel, Terrence, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Blake, Washington Fish Quest. Check them out on YouTube. Bob, Casey, Crack Snacker, 420, Daniel, David, Feet Me on Rye, Foles, Jay, Luke, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Noah, Poops, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, Nick, and of course, our man Chip. Okay. Uh, movie Club today. It is Halloween. This is actually being recorded on Halloween and probably released you on Halloween. You may have heard a couple of doorbells from my house on Halloween. Very yeah. spooky stuff. People are still we're still doorbelling you after eight. I yeah. I went downstairs and turned off all the lights. I was like, if dude, if someone comes after eight, they're they're out too late. I'm I'm, I'm the discussion was made and other people chose to keep the lights on. I wasn't gonna be a crash. I wasn't gonna be the Halloweeny on this one. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't be don't do that. If someone's gonna sit down there and pass out candy, I'm the Halloweeny. All right, we're doing the 1988 <clears throat> classic, the remake of 1958's The Blob, starring Kevin Dillon. Eric, you have a, you have a little bit of history with this movie, so I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you uh, bat lead off here. Tell 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 me a little bit about the blurb and your uh, your your experiences. With it. <laughs> My history. It sounds like well, actually, I was the young boy in the. Well, I mean, like, didn't you didn't running. you first see this when you were like? <laughs> no. wasn't this like a a movie that you saw like probably way too young? So that, my mom, uh, was, my mom was real good at that. So my mom, <laughs> I, my mom was single parent, and uh, I I have this thing where I'm really into horror movies. I'll just watch a horror movie if it's on Amazon, Hulu. And if I don't like it, I'll start fast forwarding through it. But I'm just going to watch all the crap over and over again. I don't care. And I get that from my mom because she would just rent the craziest, worst horror movies. I saw Troll 2 before it was a meme. Okay. When my friend's <laughs> like, have you seen this movie Troll 2? It's crazy. I'm like, Did they, is that the time where they go to Nilbog? He's like, how do you know that? So I saw the blob. It was on like some pay channel. My mom taped it back on video cassette. And watched it all the time. Uh, I've seen this movie way too many times. Not as many times as Arachnophobia. This is also the woman <laughs> that, that took me to see Action Jackson in theaters. I am 46 years old. Do the math. That is an eight-year-old kid seeing Action Jackson in the theaters. Still one of my top ten movies. So um, I've, I've seen this so much. And when you were like, hey, can we rewatch The Blob? I don't need to rewatch The Blob. I remember every scene. I remember uh, the terrible special effects, the good special effects, and the ending, and all that stuff. So, yeah, all throw right. it at me. All right. So, okay, the movie opens up like the, a meteor crashes, uh, like a hobo <laughs> discovers, uh, like uh, some slime-like mold that kind of sticks to his hand. Uh, some college students take him to the hospital. But then, then he starts screaming because it hurts. Yeah, it hurts really bad. He gets melted by the blob. Uh, the because blob. in an accurate to life situation, uh, you came into the emergency room, so you had to wait for several hours before anyone gave a crap. <laughs> it's an emergency. Okay. So here's He's one thing: is here. that I love this movie. That uh, I love for this movie right from the start. Every character you might think that they're introducing a character that's important, but that character also might just get blobbed immediately. Like, yep. and I think that, like, like, um. Paul got killed by the ball blob right at the beginning. And I was like, oh, they're, they're not pulling any punches. Cause I thought this yeah. was going to be like the, the, the guy boyfriend for the is history. I thought this movie was going to be about this guy or this guy was going to be in the movie the whole time. No, he's dead. Vicky gets he's killed dead. before she even really exists. That's like, <laughs> yeah, this Vicky gets any, existed at more than she like has lines. Anyone can get blobbed at any time. You do not know what's going to happen. And I kind of like that about that. Also, the real villain in this movie is the United States government. I also like that. Okay. Because yeah, well played the, the it's like, yeah, the blob is bad, but also these people are, these people could kill the blob at any time. And they're choosing not to <laughs> like, they know, they know it's weakness. They, they know how, how to destroy the blob. They're just not going to, they're going to I also like how often plans don't work in this and not oh, for yeah. like stupid reasons. Like it was a bad plan, but like it was the best plan they could come up with. You can see how it should work. Like the, uh, the snow truck. 
Like you're like, yeah, he's gonna drive yeah. that uh drive that rig yeah, the, and it's going the, to like freeze the whole thing. Nope. The liquid nope, nitrogen nope. truck. Well, I totally saw that coming, blew that up, not happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's like everything just that can go wrong go goes wrong. Um, but the they end up uh flash freezing the the blob. That is how they defeat the blob. They do they do freeze it. In they eight. realize it they realize it doesn't like the cold when they get trapped in like a like a restaurant freezer. Walk in freezer. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like the blob and the blob retreats and they're like, oh, the blob doesn't like it when it's cold. Which I was I, I was wish like, they called it the blob in the movie. That would have been I great. I really un, this is like one of those movie tropes, like where the the alien for alien life form is weak against something that is incredibly common on Earth. Like that is a trope that I don't I'm not super like signs when the, the alien the aliens can be destroyed by rainfall. It's like oh cool. I, okay, great. I would say the first, freezing the temperatures first... are not as bad as rainfall as a weakness, number one. Number two, uh it wasn't like this was a planned alien invasion. That's true. But the blo- the that blob makes dies you feel to a, less bad about that. The blob dies a, to a, the first unlucky snowstorm. meteor. Yeah. Well, I mean, a, if you live in Minnesota, well, remember, you're going to be fine. You have to contain it, though, because the blob can thaw out, as shown at the end when the crazy preacher has the piece that he the crystal that he picked up and put in the jar. Oh, yeah. So and all that says, does is he, hibernate the blob. The religious like, zealot also. The Lord, that was a great Lord will give me, too. The Lord will yeah. give me a sign, and he holds up the... the it's a secret evil entity, yeah. which is also good. Uh, it, they also uh, realize that fire extinguisher... Great practical right? effects on his face and everything. They, they really do a cool job of like kind of foreshadowing the the blob and its weaknesses and kind of it's like I wouldn't want to say personality is that the right way to do it yeah um the blob the it's blob murders a, the blob murders a movie talker in this movie that's a ten out of ten choice I I was rooting for the blob <laughs> at that point a little bit like if you're gonna murder movie talkers they are the worst people so they are the worst of us movie talkers people who take off their shoes and socks on the plane. Um, shoes are fine. If you just take off your shoes, that's okay. But if you take off your socks, I ain't trying to see those dogs on the plane. Come on, man. And then, and so like, yeah, if the blob killed someone with no shoes on, on a plane, that probably would have made the blob. I couldn't root against the blob at this point. That would have been too I'm much. just saying it was a BMW driver short of having a bingo card for me. Yeah. <laughs> Why well, hey, the original blob was, it was jelly crammed up against movie vents and it was tacky. This one was a little more. Uh, also practical, but also CGI or whatever it was called back then. Um, they did yeah, a great we... job situationally of having it like attack from like inside of the drain, or they put it in these situations where they didn't have to show their monster it too made much. It scary, so it yeah. made the effects really good. Like, yeah, there were that was some good movie magic. Outside of the end of the movie, I felt like the special effects were great. Like, are, yeah. are we really surprised that, that Chuck Wilson and Frank Darabont made an awesome, like, kind of splattered monster movie? Like, yes, yeah. I mean, don't bet against right. Frank Darabont. That's yeah. the right team. That's the right team to kind of make this. Uh, this, I think this is good. It's like this. It's a cla- It's a lot of tropes, you know, classic, like small town government conspiracy. Uh, a love letter like, to 50 sci-fi. Yeah, it's just it's it's like a lot of tropes, but it is. The ventriloquist doll riding around on the motorcycle really and they, trying to be the hero. Like you said, Eric, great practical. There's a lot of great practical effects in this movie. Like there's no CGI in this movie or anything. Like it's they the do a end. lot of. It's the it's the uh, basically they take a small model and they superimpose it on you know background when it, when the when the blob shatters. Spoiler, yeah. 1988 movie spoiler. But that's this like my, the only time where it doesn't hold up for me. This is my uh, like favorite review of this movie that I read. You guys ready for this? I think it kind of sums up how I feel about it. John Carpenter. I took a 50 sci-fi movie and made it the grossest thing ever for the gore hounds of the 80s. Chuck Russell responds, hold my beer. Because, <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's really what it feels like to me. It's like they, they were just like, yeah, we got to outdo like these 80s, 80s remakes. We got to do, do the best one. Um, the movie is paced really well. It's the best thing about the movie. There's not like a dead moment in this thing. There's not like a moment where you're like, come on, let's get on with it. It's just on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing. The scene Ruby. stitching, the aforementioned Vicky scene and how they have that be what fills the gap in time between when uh, Paul gets sucked into the blob and like when the police interview shows up, like that's really well done. Uh, they did such snappy intros to all the relevant characters. They had like two minutes of on screen time each, but you felt like you had an absolute idea of how this little small town worked. Because they were like, hey, you know the trope. Let me just uh, like, let me just identify the trope and then give you like a little bit more. All right, cool. 
it's the more I think about Chuck Russell making this movie, it's crazy because he, Frank Darabont must helped a lot because this 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 guy made so many. I mean, this is the best Frank Chuck Russell movie by such a big gap for me. Unless you really into the Mask Eraser or the Scorpion King, I mean, the, the, this guy I watched two of those three movies in the last three years. They're all bad. Never seen the Scorpion King. So. Anyone who says like the Mask is really good, it's like, come on, man. It's it's basically like I'm a crazy guy. The movie, it's not bad. It's yeah, just I don't. Like, it's it's not bad, but really good. I don't know. Is uh, the lady sitting behind me in 1996 reviewing the movie? Like it's <laughs> it's fine. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, the Blob Rules. I I would recommend it to anyone if you like even like slightly interested in horror sci-fi. This movie just has cool practical effects, like just crazy stuff. Um, and I'm not someone who gets grossed out by it, but I'm not a big body horror person. I feel like this does body horror in a really well done way that isn't so over the top that I'm like, oh, cool, this is all you're doing. Like the, the the practical effects are a big deal, but they're really really well done. <laughs> aged it's really like well. It's like the thing. Yeah, it's like the thing where I don't think about the body horror as being the biggest thing, but then every time I watch it, I'm always like, oh, gnarly scene. I forgot how good this is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Carpenter's the thing in this movie. This movie, this movie should stand in the same category as that. Like per like pit tone perfect remakes of, of movies from the 50s. Just absolute bangers. Um and I would put Snyder's Dawn of the Dead in there too, but you can hate me for that. Okay. I really like that movie though. I think it's by far Zack Snyder's best work. All right. Any other comments before we, uh, we head, we head home here and I get to watch. Yeah. The my last comment is Zack Predators. Snyder's best work is a low bar. That is extremely <laughs> low, extremely low bar. I would, I would agree with that. Uh, all right. For, uh, for Kevin, for Eric, we'll see you guys next week. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.